Welcome to Graced Conversations, a podcast of Community of Grace of the Southern Tier. I'm Reverend Alicia Dixon Gerard, pastor of Community of Grace. We are an intentionally diverse, equitable, and inclusive church seeking to engage our community in living healed and restored lives. We're in a series called Doing Better, a different kind of conversation on race in which we've been discussing the problem of racism that plagues our nation, our communities, and even our churches. Our hope is that these conversations will generate better understanding of the problem and more importantly, encourage action against it. Part of doing better is having this dialogue with a a diverse group of people in order to be informed by different perspectives. Today, we're having this conversation cross-generationally. Here I am with Brianna, who has been gracious enough to fit me into her busy schedule before she heads off to college. Is it George Washington? George Washington University. So first of all, what a great accomplishment. You are obviously no slouch in the academic and brainiac department. (laughs) And secondly, thank you for making time for Community of Grace to be part of the conversation. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so hi, um, my name is Brianna Tay. I'm currently 18 years old and I, uh, of course, just graduated from high school. So the world is kind of like, uh, everybody keeps telling me that the world is my oyster. But, (laughs) you know, when you're, you know, up against a lot of like societal problems and everything, sometimes you can feel, I well, I feel very limited in certain ways. So I try not to, you know, surround myself with um, negative minded people if that's like a good way to put it that's why so yeah i plan on um majoring in psychology and possibly minoring in public health and so um i'm just i'm very scared but i <laughs> i know that you know all good things so i i don't want to like stress myself out too much about you know college life or anything yeah. so and it's okay to be afraid <laughs> There's some things to be afraid of, like Like a a race war erupting or like a statehood war erupting in D.C. or, you know, anything like that. Anything crazy or another insurrection. Right. God forbid. But (laughs) definitely some of the more grave things to be concerned about. Uh, But bravery is not the absence of fear, but what we do in spite of the fear. And so I'm so glad that you are a brave young woman Uh, and the world is your oyster to a certain extent. We, we are talking about trying to remove some of those barriers to get the pearl, right? <laughs> and I heard that you're teaching a class to adults, matter of factly, examining racism and race and racial reconciliation at your church. What motivated you to teach that class and tell us a little bit more about the content? So um, basically, my race and reconciliation in- initiative started as a part of a project for my English class. And so um, in 11th grade, so it was um, AP English Language and Composition. And so basically, it was called the 20% Project. And the objective of the project was to either enrich yourself or to enrich your community. And so I initially got the idea after going to a Presbyterian youth camp at Purdue University called Trianium, mm-hmm. which the um, Presbyterian Church USA holds every three years, hence, you know, the name Trianium. Mm-hmm. So um, they have a committee of race and reconciliation at um, a PCUSA. And so I was just really inspired by, you know, the work that they do in order to 
bring the ministry into the into the world of like social activism and everything as like a tool and not and i know like a lot of young people are like scared to only have you know like religion to fall back on in terms of you know good things to believe in because of you know um how everything has been politicized and everything but it's just a great tool to have in terms of um using like the teachings of dr martin luther king which have been inducted into um the presbyterian church usa's you know as a part of just their overall ministry and not just ministry dealing with like race or any sort of other um, like oppressive factor in society. And so, (laughs) and so um, I sort of wanted to um, simulate that within my school first Mm -hmm. with my peers and my classmates. And so I got a lot of help from my English teacher and um, a lot of like advisors that it was, everything sort of happened spontaneously, really all the people that have gone full circle with me. Like I met them at at that time. So of course it was kind of like right place, right time. Like this was meant to happen sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah. And so um, I, sort of got to see how like my peers thought about race and everything and me being like you know one of the only going to like predominantly white school and being one of the only like black kids that are usually like in an honors class or you know just anywhere really Mm -hmm. you learn that you know there's not a lot of space for you especially in white space like you weren't like historically you were never meant to be in like we were never meant to be where we are now if things went you know according to how you know Um, of, of course, this might sound controversial, but, you know, the founding fathers sort of like, you know, paved the way for, you know, a lot of limitations. And so it's just it was just really interesting to see how progressive a lot of my peers were, because, you know, when people don't talk about things, you just automatically assume that they're conservative or reserved about any sort of mm-hmm. topic like that. And so um, I was like, hmm. Um, my town of Endicott has a lot of, like, you know, old Italian immigrant roots and everything. And so you kind of get like the feeling that a lot of like the older people within our community are golden age thinkers because they always talk about, you know, the age of IBM right. and like the age of Endicott Johnson yes. and um, how everything used to be better. And like people went to work and they worked hard and everything. And, you know, the community was bustling and it's like, well, for who? and so um when you see how demographics are changing now the conversations start to change as well where it's like oh the community is getting worse and you know um uh infrastructure is bad everything is just bad and like you know you hear all these older people like you know we have so much more problems now that we didn't have before and it's like these problems were always there it's just that you know there's a scapegoat now that you can look at to you know um sort of put place the blame on like a lot of families coming in from New York City that are like lower income and like don't have a lot of resources and might not know where to look in terms of you know just finding a good you know starting point for their family unit in terms of you know finding a place within the community is one thing that I've noticed a lot over the years after like moving up here from from you know the DMV area, which is already very diverse, so it was kind of like a culture shock. Sort oh, of definitely. Thing. We <laughs> spoke a little bit about that in the yeah. previous podcast. <laughs> and so, I, I was like, I need to reach more people. And so I told my English teacher, I was like, Oh, I'd love to start this like tr- um, uh, this these um workshops at my church because I would just facilitate you know mm-hmm. these conversations and people would go off on whatever tangent they'd want to. Of course, staying within the scope of race, right. but it just gave people. A place to talk like I'm not here to you know 
change anybody's views or anything because I'm as an 18 year old 17 I started when I was 17 as a 17 year old black girl it's not my job to tell people if they're racist or not that's your it's your job to be introspective I'm just you know here to give people the space but also I I just wanted to give myself the space because nobody really like you know gave me the space so it's like I'm gonna take charge of this on my own and so um well not on my own but you know upon my own volition and so I um I talked to my pastor and she was like oh like this is a great idea I'd love for you to start you know teaching these classes at church and honestly like (laughs) I let's tell people like people always ask me like oh you're so young why do you go to you know like a lot of my friends are like why do you go to church like why would you wake up that early uh, you know on a Sunday morning to (laughs) be with a bunch of you know (laughs) um baby boomers but um honestly like I I really love my congregation but I also know that liking somebody and respecting somebody isn't synonymous and I and it's like whenever I would talk about you know my passions and stuff I I just wanted to make sure that, you know, these people that I love and admire so much also understand that yes. I I want to, like, reach them, too. Yes. And that, you know, I'm not just a token black person, like, within the church or, like, you know, my family isn't, like, a token black family. And I'd right. love for them to use their faith as a tool to become, like, positive agents of change within the not only, like, the faith community but also just within the community as a whole because they have that sort of you know influence as like you know being part of like the older generation in terms of like our congregation as well and so when I started my um the our we called them thoughtful Christian classes and so like oh I love that title (laughs) yeah and so we held them during um Black History Month of 2019 so in February Mm -hmm. And so every week I would have like topics to talk about. So the first week we just, I just opened up the floor. Like, what does race mean to you in terms Mm -hmm. of, you know, the community and then looking within like the scope of like the church and everything. It was, it was, I already knew that I was going to get answers. Like, you know, like times were different back then in terms of how we address people and how, you know, we, we came to know people because like, honestly, there weren't a lot of black people around the area, Mm -hmm. like, you know, during like the early seventies and up until like the eighties, until things started, you know, becoming more economically, um, kind of prosperous. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, (laughs) um, it was just very interesting sort of getting their perspective, but then making sure that people understand that all those like like immigrant roots because like I have you know like Polish roots and like you know just a lot of Eastern European roots that Mm -hmm. you know like the first wave of immigration that that they are sort of influenced by that sort of view can still be translated to today but offer to you know just a larger pool of people that also deserve just as much grace as you know their ancestors and their families did when they came here and everything and I wouldn't say grace in terms of like you know um I am not saying that they didn't face any sort of like hardships or anything in right. terms of, you know, just erasure, like people mm-hmm. changing their names to conform to, you know, American sort mm-hmm. of Anglo-Saxon norms. But it was just nice to hear that they were willing to, you know, extend or like be more conscious of how they extend that grace to other people that might not be of the same background as them. Right. Yeah. You have said so much <laughs> in that, like there's so many good morsels and pieces to think through um, kind of how our conversations sometimes have cold words like 
like the neighborhood has gone down when lower income folk move in and depending on their complexion, how they're perceived um, and sort of this intersection of race and class and even space at times and how our perceptions of um, which immigrants should have access to the quote unquote American dream, you know, has changed over time. And part of the resources we're going to put on our website for Community of Grace will talk a little bit more about all that history that you unraveled of what does immigration look like here and what um, economic class, what it's looked like and how it's changed over time here in the Binghamton area and dealing with, yes, how black and brown bodies are perceived in this body. And I love this concept of holding space, like you said, making space and also holding space, because that is part of the issue in our churches when we're talking about race and issues of racism and trying to be racially reconciled, is having um, people of color having a place to talk about who they are um, in a way and not feeling like they have to conform, but are accepted for who they are and build relationships with this wonderful other thing you said, people that they really do love who may be very different from them. Um, So building kind of that understanding that then uh, leads to true relationship in which both people can be themselves, right? It's not one about conforming to the other or anyone being excluded. So that's all excellent stuff. And I applaud your pastor who I happen to know. I don't know if she wants me to shout her out right now, so I won't. I won't name her by name, but I I do applaud her for saying, yes, please go for it. Do this here. And so what a wonderful endeavor. And the fact that you are uh, a younger generation engaging the older generation is also precious Uh, because really, I think we need each other. So you can't speak for your entire generation, of course. But (laughs) how would you describe some of the younger generation's perspective on race and racism? Is there greater awareness and more desire to work for justice? Or uh, do you find that there's still a little bit of ignorance of, oh, this really isn't a problem for us? (laughs) Or both? So it's kind of funny that you say that, because um, when I first started all this work, it was like, you know, about like a year before George Floyd happened and a year before all of like the huge like Black Lives Matter protests mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, erupted. It was kind of it was, it was kind of like a volcano <laughs> eruption of like emotion and just, you know, a lot of like anxiety, especially like within among like black youth and just BIPOC youth in general. And so um, for any like, you know, listeners that don't know what <laughs> BIPOC means, it basically means um, black or indigenous people of color. And so um Starting that work before it and like really getting into like the nitty gritty conversations with people, because even before then, people didn't really talk about these things at all. And so kind of having to like chip at chip at stone is Mm -hmm. something that like I appreciated, like that I like that that I got the skills and the experience to have because people don't just change like that. (laughs) And so one thing that was sort of nice during like the protests and everything was well my dad didn't really let me like go out and stuff (laughs) because of course the the pandemic Mm -hmm. but um it was nice to just take a step back and be like oh okay so there are people really like differentiating between this is what performative activism looks like this is what real activism looks like and this is what you know a gray area sort sort of Mm -hmm. looks like in terms Mm -hmm. of loyalty and like you know um 
to the people that you love that might not be in, in accordance with what's going on or, you know, or in loyalty in terms of like friendships where you know that you right. are cross-sectional or like intersectionally intertwined with people. And so what I learned is that a lot of us really still don't know like how things are going to go. Like I think there's still a lot of fear and anxiety as as there really should be because of course look at the state of you know our nation right now (laughs) and everything but one thing that I do love about our like my generation specifically Gen Z is that we're relentless and Mm -hmm. that we use a lot of the tools that we were you know sort of born into like technology in order to make especially like adults accountable and everything and so again just our perseverance and our relentlessness in terms of these issues is what I really love and um, I know that there are still a lot of like, you know, Gen Zers that are also like conservative and everything. Mm-hmm. And just as a whole, not us wanting to like silence ourselves. We might, of course, I, I disagree with a lot of my peers like all the time. But mm-hmm. just that perseverance and continuing to understand each other is something that I appreciate, especially mm-hmm. among like my, um, you know, local peer group. Right, yeah. right. And those are definitely excellent characteristics to have, relentlessness and perseverance. Uh, you need it in life in general, but especially with um, hot button topics and issues, issues that are very sensitive, like dealing with race and racism. You're right. It's not a problem that changes overnight. And so, hmm, I learned something about Gen Z. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give to kind of folks of my generation? I'm a Gen Xer. Uh, so why? No. Yeah, Y and then Z. <laughs> so I'm technically like two generations before you, which is really scary. Like, I don't want to think of it that way of how old I am getting. But what advice would you give to uh, like Gen Z and the boomers and that sort of thing? So in terms of um that divide, because that's an interesting <laughs> divide, because we're all going through a lot of hardships like with baby boomers it was like world war ii and the cold war and like mm-hmm. the korean war and just all that you know um social unrest and now we're in another period of social unrest i feel like well in the like past 200 years of america's history america is, is just a country of social unrest like that's what we're founded upon and if people <laughs> don't understand that then i don't know why you're you know <laughs> you're either still here or you know um complaining or just you know having a lot of um Uh, fundamental views about ways of life when everything in America is always changing. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I think in terms of advice that I would give to um, boomers, especially is just having faith and not, you know, telling like Gen Zers that, Oh, you don't know anything. Like you've never been through anything. Cause Mm -hmm. a lot of us have been through a lot, not only through like the pandemic, but um, people don't really understand that in the age of technology, like, I was just talking about this with um, Ryan before we came in. Mm-hmm. Um, just sort of having that, like, leash on you. Like, yes, like, technology gives people a lot of control, but you're also, like, connected to people all the time. And just taking the time to be with yourself and learning what you like and just learning about yourself and not always being so, you know, oriented to other people and just mm-hmm. really getting to know yourself. I feel like Gen Z, when it comes to individualism, I think that's a very important thing and, um uh, baby boomers are very like family oriented and everything because of course the family unit was very like is it wasn't is still a very important thing right. when it comes to you know just going about life but 
there's a sort of balance. And I feel like right now we're at that balancing point because like with all this individualism comes all of the social activism, whereas with all, you know, the fundamental, like, you know, traditional, like conservative values that also ties in with baby boomers and everything. But I feel like everything is intertwined and it doesn't have to be one or the other thing. Mm-hmm. But these problems affect so many people that, you know, holding on to to values that well not being flexible with your values or you not having the consideration to be um malleable in terms of um again extending grace and giving people space i think all these problems that we have is just about you know who is allowed to take up space and who isn't when you think of like gender when you think of you know um, the lgbtqia plus community all of those problems like in terms of you know societal division giving people space mm-hmm. to grow. That's one big you know, piece of advice that I would give. Right. A very sage piece of advice that willing to be flexible to learn how to meet in the middle. Um, because I don't think we ever really stop learning until, you know, we kind of pass to the other side. So it is important to be open to, to like you said, that making space for others in order to build authentic community. community. And definitely from a Christian perspective, that is largely what the gospel is about. It's largely about the fact that God came in flesh to make room for us to be in relationship with the Godhead. And that required a tremendous change on the part of how the Godhead did things in the world and then changed the world forever, we know, in Jesus the Christ. So... Yeah, it is part of the foundation of kind of who we are as Christians. And, you know, if you're not a Christian and you're listening to our podcast, that's fine, too. Uh, Just the ability to learn and adapt is just good life skills as well. And I'm just so glad that you came and spoke with me today. Uh, I think us Gen Xers and boomers and older generations, we have a tendency to say that Gen Y and Z, they're the people of tomorrow. But really, you're today. Y'all got now. (laughs) You got now. And uh, you're part of the present. And that is crucial that the generations, for the generations to remain in dialogue, because we can learn from each other. Knowledge flows both ways. Some of the best mentoring relationships I've had have been those in which the older person has not felt like they're just giving me stuff and I'm just taking, 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 but they've understood that there's a mutuality that comes from being in connection because it's going to take all of us to overcome this problem of racism in our churches and communities and nations. So thank you for hanging with me today. No problem. It was was my pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) And may God bless and keep you on your college journey so happy for you. Thank you, listeners, as well. If you want to join a conversation, please feel free. Send questions and comments to us at cogsty at gmail.com. Tweet about what you've heard. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Check out our website, cogst.com. And of course, you can always donate to support the Ministry of Community of Grace of the Southern Tier. There's a donate button right on that page, cogst.com. Thank you again for being with us.